My name is Andrew McGowan. I'm a musician and athlete who geeks out on fashion, art, and great food. I spent time working with elite performers, repairing instruments for major symphony musicians, training for marathons, and designing wardrobes from everyone from freshman college students to big city lawyers. Trequartista is the Italian word for playmaker and is used to describe a particularly creative role on the soccer pitch, typically behind the central striker. And as the musical Trequartista, I aim to kickstart conversations about topics and areas that I think are underrated, underdiscussed, or particularly important to a sustainable high-octane life. This is the Musical Trek Artista, the podcast. Good morning, everyone. So, today I wanted to talk about the process for rapid improvement. And one of the things that I think folks will find is there is an incredible amount of overlap uh, between this and the train and volume episode. They are nearly the exact same thing. I think one of the problems with the reception for train and volume was too many people found it to be hyperly focused upon development of physical muscle rather than uh, a pathway to rapid improvement. And so I wanted to break down those concepts here, applied in that same way, in order to provide folks a roadmap. So some preliminary information that is really helpful in order to understand where this idea comes from, is how our brain develops neuropathways. So you need about 28 days to uh, create a solidified neural pathway, and it'll take about nine months before it's fully integrated into your life to the point where your brain doesn't have to think about it anymore. And that's really helpful for us to understand. And you can hack this a little bit. Because on uh, a smaller scale, so small repetitions or patterns that you already understand, you can create these, for example, uh, practicing a musical passage, by increasing the frequency of the stimuli. And what we mean by that, so like stimuli is uh, signals that your brain interprets. So, for example, if I pick up a tuba, my brain almost always, because I primarily play C tuba and almost no other tubas, thinks C tuba and all of the things it knows about C tuba. But if it's a B flat tuba, and I try to finger it like a C tuba, all the notes are going to be wrong. Because that tuba, all of the tubes, are however many hundreds of hertz uh, lower than a C tuba. And so uh, the stimuli that my brain has interpreted is not necessarily correct. You can change that. And the easiest way to um, create flexible um, 
interpretations from your brain is to increase the frequency of the stimuli. When people sit down to learn something for the first time, a lot of times what they try to do is they say, I'm going to spend two really intense hours on this every single day. And if I do that, I will improve. And that's not wrong. But it is not the path to quickest success either. For example, if they, instead of taking a really intense two-hour period all at one time, and they broke it up into four individual 30-minute periods that were very, very intense, instead of just very intense... Um, they would actually see improvements quicker, especially if they were trying to pursue the exact same like improvements in each session. So in training volume, I talk about this in, uh, in, in terms of pull-ups because um, weightlifting especially is really easy to see improvements in because you can count them numerically. Uh, and in the summer of 2019... I went from being able to do five pull-ups in a sitting to 60 pull-ups in a sitting because um, I increased the frequency of that stimuli. What I did was I trained my brain to understand not only is this going to happen, it's going to happen a lot. And so your brain, being the marvel of science and engineering that it is, goes, oh, well then let's insulate those nerve fibers really, really quickly. And so, for example, if I'm working on a really tricky piece of music, I know that if I spend two hours on it, yeah, it's probably going to get a lot better. But the best thing for me to do, especially if I'm trying to develop velocity of playing, is, for example, the Sefranek Tchaikovsky 4 finale transcription. Uh, The euphonium part is lightning fast right at the beginning, as it should be. A lot of euphonium parts are. And so the way to develop that... um, really, really quickly is not to just hammer away at it for two hours. It's to put in a really intense 15, 20 minutes, leave, go do other things for a while, like a couple of hours, and come back. You give your brain times to stew on it, let all of the mental processes that run in the background, all of the involuntary stuff, let all that run, let those nerve fibers insulate at the ends and then come back. And the way that your brain interprets this frequency of stimuli is, oh shoot, this going to happen a lot. So let's really insulate those nerve fibers. Because if, if, if this is going to happen a lot, we got to be ready. And so what that allows you to do is make rapid, rapid improvements very, very quickly. Like to the tune of, like for me, and granted I've been playing tuba and euphonium for a long time, but I mean, I was able to make clean increases on the Tchaikovsky excerpt of like increments of 20 clicks a day, which uh, for any non-musicians listening is 20 beats per minute per day, which is very, very quickly. Um, it's a rapid amount of improvement in such a short amount of time. And so I didn't have to worry about getting checked to tempo because I knew that as long as I had 
um, spent the proper amount of slow practice and then got it to pace, I was going to fly through it and there weren't going to be any problems. And this is what goes back to the importance of slow practice and high-quality practice is if you're so detail-oriented at the beginning when everything is really, really slow about how exactly things need to sound and why. And um, and, this go- and this goes for anything, whether it's just all sorts of uh, little detail features, um, whether, like, it's something that you're cooking or uh, something that you're painting or even just a spreadsheet that you're making or uh, just or something like at work or if you're repairing an instrument or um, working on uh, athletics also, like trying to make sure, if you're like you're a soccer player, trying to make sure your touch is really, really good and that you like can always strike super cleanly no matter what the balance point is like for uh, like where you're standing, those level of detail orientations make it really, really easy to perform expertly when you're in the zone because then you don't have to think about it. And by increasing the frequency of those stimuli, you can encourage your brain to develop those neural pathways faster. And so it's not just about how, the intensity of your practice, it's about the frequency of your practice, especially if you want to do uh, really, really fast things or really technical things that, a lot, that require a lot of interpretations. Um, for example, uh, I'm working on a new piece right now that is uh, an original of mine, and it's incredibly technical, and it's in my suite, Five Cantrips for Euphonium, which is a bunch of short, unaccompanied miniatures. And the first movement, uh, Primal Savagery, has like this ridiculous triplet uh, figure at the beginning that is very doable, but is very technically demanding because of the um, four-node pitch class set tone row that I chose to use as my melodic material, and I've lost all of the audience already, but this is fine. But basically, um, I'm not I'm not worried about like whether that's going to get to tempo by the time I premiere it later this semester, because uh, a I know that I'm able to practice it well, and I have a lot of like great euphonium foundation to to facilitate that. But more importantly, like I'm practicing it four times a day, and each time I'm practicing, it's not even taking an entire practice session. I'm spending, a, and I'll set a timer on it too. I do a really intense five minutes on it every time I pick up the horn, not in a rehearsal or, uh, or like a performance or a sectional or something, but anytime I'm like doing a little bit of a practice work for my day, whether it's like right after my routine, right after my warm up, uh, I'm about to work on excerpts or if I'm working on solo material and sometimes I will take a little bit longer on it but a lot of times I'm just saying like if I can spend five like five super intense minutes on this it's going to improve rapidly and it already has I mean like there's um like the first couple of measures were really really hard when I first started woodshedding it and I mean it's been five days and I can already almost play it a little under tempo which is great um Especially at this point where I'm trying to make sure all of that stuff is perfect and iron out a lot of the details. And so all of this is to say, like, if you want to improve at anything, frequency of stimuli 
is the best way forward in order to make especially baseline improvements rapidly. For example, like if I wanted to get really good at kettlebell swings, what would be the best thing for me to do? Um, I could pay a lot of money to have someone teach me to do kettlebell swings, which honestly, not a bad idea, but uh, for about 30 bucks, you could buy a 10-pound kettlebell at Walmart. Or if you have a, a gym that you can access four times a day, which I don't know if many folks do, um, but if you do, that's great. Um, and if you go on YouTube and just look up how to do an appropriate kettlebell swing or how to do a good kettlebell swing and just study their movements, get a mirror, and then do it real slow with that super light kettlebell. And what you'll do is you'll teach your body the motion that it needs to go through in just five minutes a day or five minutes a couple times a day. Um and what's going to happen is your body's going to get really comfortable in those motions. And then when you introduce an actual uh, kettlebell that you can do legitimate swings with, like a, even a 25 or a 30 pounder, that momentum will actually swing like a pendulum rather than your body just physically moving that 10 pounder because that's a little too small to actually uh, create momentum for most body weights at that swing. But... You'll have spent so much time going through and isolating those motions and what it's supposed to feel like that the process will feel very easy because your body has laid down the tracks that it needs to run in and now you've introduced a mechanism that's going to help it do that easier and more efficiently because it's actually balancing your swing. Now, if we wanted to, um, let's say... You want to get much better at scrambling eggs because that's a little more relatable than just doing kettlebell swings or doing pull-ups or practicing euphonium excerpts. So if you want to get really good at scrambled eggs, here's what I would suggest. Make scrambled eggs more. <laughs> and, um, and every time, be super detail-oriented about the things you go through. The, if, if, if you want to nail your, even the, like nail your times on things, like set timers, uh, and go get great source material. I mean, Gordon Ramsay's got a killer video on scrambled eggs. I think he did one with Sean Evans uh, from Hot Ones. And so uh, what's, what's the method? What works best? And then nail all of the details in between that. And then the more you practice, the more you make scrambled eggs, then the better your scrambled eggs are going to turn out because what your brain is going to interpret is, oh, I know this pattern. We did all of these things. I can nail it. And what you might actually find is that your intuition as to where that time goes, especially if you do it a lot, gets really, 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 really good. Our circadian rhythms pick up on this a lot. If you have a really regular bedtime and a really regular wake-up time, it's hard to be up late and it's even harder to wake up late because your body is so in the groove of that that it's just like, no, we're done. Like, it's time for bed, or it's time to get up, and that's because your brain knows a lot of things before you realize them, because it's interpreting a lot of signals before y'all actually get to start thinking about it. That's what the limbic system does. And so, all of this is to say, if, if you, if you want to make rapid improvements, you need to trick your brain. 
And the way you trick your brain is increasing the frequency of the stimuli at that same level of intensity, but for shorter durations. Because a lot of what's allowing nerve fibers to bind or to insulate at the ends um, in order to uh, make these actions or uh, whatever you're trying to get good at isolated in your brain requires time away. And so if you're just like if you spend 17 hours on it, like, yeah, you're probably going to make some progress, but you're also probably going to hit a point of diminishing returns. And so it's actually better for you to do sections of hyper intense work than it is to do just a boatload of time of pretty nonchalant to fairly intense work. And what I think you'll find is when you get better at things faster, it's easier to have fun doing it because then you're not judging yourself so much because you can see so much improvement. And when you can enjoy the journey, then it's hard to be disappointed by the rewards because they're the icing on the cake. That's all for this week. Thanks so much. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Musical Trick Artista, the podcast. You can find us online at mcgowanmusic.com or listen on your favorite podcast platform. You can also visit us at Andrew McGowan on YouTube or Music McGowan on Instagram.